Welcome to this online act of worship at St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're joining us. Do please leave a comment or a like. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find information about how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Welcome everyone to our service of choral Evensong on this the 16th Sunday after Trinity. It's wonderful that you can join us for this online service. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. 
and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them, that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards and houses, that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, Ye exact usury every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them, and I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace, and found nothing to answer. Also, I said, It is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God, because of the reproach of our the heathen enemies? I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Restore, I pray you to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards and their houses. Also the hundredth part of the money, and of the corn, the wine, and the oil, that ye exact of them. Then they said, We will restore them, and will require nothing of them, so we will do as thou sayest. Then I called the priests, and took an oath of them, that they should do according to this promise. Also I shook my lap, and said, so God shakes out every man from his house and from his labour that performeth not this promise. Even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said Amen and praised the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. This is the word of the Lord.
The New Testament lesson is written in the Gospel according to John, chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbours, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How are thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay, and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing that I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him, and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvellous thing, 
that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. This is the word of the Lord.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Lord, we beseech thee mercifully to receive the prayers of thy people which call upon thee, and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfil the same, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Father, would you put your words upon my lips? Tonight I want to speak about a question that is very close to my heart. And that question is, what is truth? Or better still, is there any such thing as truth at all? You might ask why such things matters. And of course there are ample problems in the world to worry about right now, perhaps without teasing out philosophical questions. And yet this one gets to the heart of the Christian faith, indeed life itself. We need to go back and to go back abroad to the left bank on uh, Paris, Rive Gauche, and it was a place of artists and philosophers, cafes and counterculture, a place of ideas, a place where amongst all its bohemianism, people ask questions like, what really matters and why? You could say that only a certain level of wealth and indulgence allows a society to encourage this kind of thinking. But asking tough questions is part of the journey of any life that is well lived. Some of the ideas that arose were ideas of despair and angst and confusion. Ideas that pointed to the fact that the world seems absurd and maybe we all have that feeling sometime. But right in the firing line was the issue of truth, of whether there was any such thing as an overarching truth, a big story that might explain everything. Now, literature departments were awash with this new idea, well it wasn't that new, but this idea in the 1980s. That's when I went to university, to a new university in fact, UEA. We couldn't get away from this idea that there was no such thing as absolute truth. The idea was this, that you have your truth, I have my truth, every truth is true, every truth equally valid, because it's true for you. Now, of course, that idea has made its way out of the literature and philosophy departments and is a big idea in everyday life. Truth, we might say, has become unstable. You have your truth, I have my truth. Now, of course, to an extent, this is true and it's liberating. Every truth is in a context. But if there is no such thing as absolute truth, then how could we deal with Jesus' claim, I am the light of the world? An absolute truth, if ever there was one. Not, I might be. Or, you might think I am. I am the light of the world. He says elsewhere, I am the way, the truth and the life. So what do we do in a world that doesn't believe in truth? With the bold claims of God among us about who he was and is. I think we need to find an anchor so we can trust the word and we go from there. If we go through the reading from the Gospel of John and go through it carefully, I think it helps. And why? Well, it has the absolute ring of truth. It feels, it is trustworthy. And in it, Jesus is trustworthy as well. Look at the amazing quality of the conversation and interaction. The neighbours who wonder if the man 
healed of his blindness, is the one they'd seen begging around the place. No, he just looks like him, someone says. Then the man who is healed in his artless way says, No, it was me. He's frank about not knowing anything much about this Jesus fellow, at least not at the beginning. But he can see now when he couldn't before. The realism of it doesn't stop there. You get to his parents, the man who's cured, and the way they chicken out, they're scared. It really has the ring of truth, and why? Because it has inconsequential details, fragile people, selfishness, suffering, and towering over it all is the figure of Jesus. We're told that he is 100% God and 100% human, a dual nature. And this is really some claim. It must have been very hard to live out for him. But the sheer naturalness of Jesus around people doesn't seem forced or contrived. And this, of course, is very encouraging in our quest for absolute truth. It feels true. He feels true. We get to the nub of it, though, through a beautifully drawn piece of narrative. And incidentally, the Bible is alone in ancient literature for this naturalistic style. And let's follow it. I'll read it. Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple, your disciples of Moses. We know what God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. It's slightly comic there, isn't it, at the end. They get all flustered, these experts in the law. They're rather thin-skinned. And the man cured of his blindness finds them out. The reason why, of course, is they have a rather narrow way of judging Jesus. How can he have the truth when he is a provincial nobody? He doesn't fit the criteria, of course. But as the man who can now see says, if this man were not very, very special, he could not have healed me. The Pharisees didn't see the evidence in front of their eyes. But the man who had been blind, he saw it, and he chose not to doubt it. He chose to own it as an absolute truth, the truth. The man chooses to believe it, and the absolute truth. And incidentally, I would assert that absolute truth as well. That Jesus was God among us, and that of course is the true miracle. We all need a sense of truth, don't we? Secure truth. The idea that there's no truth is very wobbly indeed. And of course, it's an absolute claim in itself. It claims there's no absolute truth, but that claim is an absolute truth. So it fails, really, at round one. But it's a damaging idea, and we need to confront it, I think. We live in a world full of conspiracy theories. 
the doubting of science, the great mistrust of big stories that hold our lives together and make sense of them. And it worries me, not because I don't believe that everyone has a right to their opinions and to express them, but because if we strip away the fundamentals, love, sacrifice, hope, faith and God, then what on earth do we have left? Finally, let me go back to my university days, when postmodernism, as it was known, was all the rage. The No Truth Brigade were everywhere, and I was one of them for a while. I want to tell you how I stopped being one of that brigade, even though it took me quite a few decades to discover the light of the world. I was in a seminar for my MA, and we were doing the usual thing of looking at a book and picking it to pieces using different aspects and what we would call frames. We looked at the book through maybe the lens of Marxism or feminism or all kinds of isms that we wanted to try to understand it by. We never looked at the book itself. The lecturer asked us why we loved this book. People said they loved it because of its clever use of language the way it deliberately drew attention to itself as a book, the way it played around with the reader's intellect. And then one brave person, I cannot remember her name, she spoke up. I remember that she was American. And when it was her turn, she told us that she loved the book because she loved the characters in it, the plot, and because they seemed real to her. She loved the way she learned something about herself and her life. She would filled with wonder and transported to new lands almost in the reading of this book. It's the same thing we get when we read the gospel. And you may have noticed it when you heard the reading from the gospel of John. I wonder if you can work out what happened when she said this. To begin with, there was silence. And then we all, including the lecturer, laughed at her. How dare she say such a thing? But that night, I decided that I could no longer pretend that I agreed that everything was just a set of literary games, that there was no such thing as absolute truth. Because in doing what I had done, I lost the thing I loved about the books that I loved. I loved them because they felt real, because they spoke truth and they helped me to be a better person. I believe that Jesus is the light of the world. That is an absolute truth. And thank God for that. Amen.
Let us pray. Father, we come to you this evening full of admiration and hope. Admiration in you and hope for the future. Father, would you be with our leaders, with those at the head of the church, commerce and government. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, would you be with us in this great city? Help those who are lonely and homeless this evening. Help those who care for them. Be with all of those who tonight will be doing your work. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for this church. We thank you for its centuries of faithful service. We honour all those who have been priests here in the past and our priests now, and all those who work to make the mission of this beautiful place. Father, we pray for the journalists who tell the truth, journalists who sometimes risk themselves. And we pray for all those who have come in here and found solace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray today for all those we are worried about. And in the silence that follows, we lift them and their names up to you. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Heal us of all that ails us. Work on our minds and bodies. Help us to serve you through serving others. Give us a heart for the poor and the broken, for the lame and for the prisoners, and for those who are prisoners of themselves. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for, for the, the sake, sake of, of thy, thy Son, Son our Saviour, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen.
peace of God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.